Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here with Andy Muller and Frank Cusimano. We're back after a week off. It's a big week here at the station. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, we got to talk Cardinals. Everybody's talking. Well, I, I don't know if everybody's talking Cardinals right now because it's probably depressing for a lot of folks. Because it's been a rough few weeks for the birds. They're 6-12 and 12 so far in June. Coming off a series loss to the Braves where they were shut out twice. We're just one run in one of the other games. However, there's still just four games out of first place in the NL Central. So, Frank, why should St. Louis not be sharpening their pitchforks and heading down to Bush Stadium and throwing Mo and Schiltz out on the out on the sidewalk like a lot of people seem to want to do right now online? Uh, three words. National League Central. Uh, you still are only four out. There's not a great team. I think the Cubs pitching will eventually be exposed. And if you, you know, get a chance to get Jack Flaherty back, uh, possibly Miles Michaelis, possibly Jordan Hicks, I think, you, you know, and maybe Johan Oviedo is going to realize his vast potential and you can expedite the learning curve and you can, you know, find that other starting pitcher you'd have a shot. You know, I, I tell you what, I looked at the lineup the other day and I think, okay, Tommy Edmonds, pretty good. Um, Dylan Carlson, pretty good at number two. Paul Goldschmidt's, uh, you know, a borderline Hall of Famer. Nolan Arenado, borderline Hall of Famer. Tyler O'Neill's going to end up with 25 home runs. Yadier Molina, Hall of Famer. So I kind of like the six. Now the problem is you have Paul DeYoung hitting 160 and 0 for 7 uh, yesterday with three strikeouts and really, you know, just kind of an instant out right now. And you in your eighth spot is not good either. So I, I don't know. Um, I just think the National League Central sh- sh- should give everybody hope. Young definitely looking uh, probably as rough as we ever seen him here in St. Louis. Andy, we're about to enter trade season here soon. The Cardinals could use a bat, a starter, a little bit of everything perhaps. Well, what do you want to see them do? Who do you think they should maybe go after? The big guy we know is, is Max Scherzer, if he's healthy there. But uh, who else do you think may be catching your eye? You know, at, at this point, there, there's nobody that, that's really standing out that I would say, oh, we got to go get this guy. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm just kind of flummoxed that, uh, you know, we need something more than a, and no offense to him, uh, but to Wade LeBlanc. Um, I just, I sort of feel like that's, that's the flavor of what, uh, what the Cardinals are looking at. And I think they need, they need a jolt. Um, but who that jolt is going to come from, I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for bringing up Wade LeBlanc. I can't believe I skipped over the, the biggest news of the week, the Cardinals big acquisition. <laughs> can't say they haven't done anything now. You know, you know, what would be good if they could, you know, if they could get a Randy or Rosarina type, you know, or maybe a, an Adolis Garcia type, uh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just focusing on my front office here. But uh, they got to do something because I don't think this current version of the team is good enough. It's good enough to win the NL Central because, like Frank said, uh, nobody's really separating themselves even after the Cardinals have had a, a terrible couple of weeks. But to go any further than that, it's going to be tough without some help. Now, Frank, game one of the double. Ha- oh, go ahead, Andy. Go ahead. No, Andy. I was just going to well, say, you, what what are your what you know what what are your what is your goal? Is your goal to make the playoffs, or is your goal to contend beyond winning the division? And you know, if uh, 
if the the actions are speaking louder than words, it's, it just seems like, well, you know, they're we're content with with winning the division or attempting to win the division. So uh, I'd like to see them set their goal a little higher. Well, if you do, though, let's just say you pick up a pitcher like Kyle Gibson, who's going to be available, former Missouri guy who could help you get in. And then all of a sudden you get in and in a short series, you trot out there, Jack Flaherty, one of the greatest talents in baseball, and Adam Wainwright. Uh, you, who knows? You'd have a shot. Because I think this lineup, unlike last year's lineup, actually has a chance. You know, last year, no matter how good the pitching was, you weren't going to score at all. I mean, Nolan Arenado wasn't here. Tyler O'Neill couldn't hit. Now you actually have a lineup that has a chance. There's still, you know, an average lineup, but it's not like, you know, dead last in home runs like last year. Kyle Gibson's uh, the guy I want them to go after. I think would be the smart move. And I also, I think they know this too, uh, pulling off the Arenado trade without giving up any of their big prospects. Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor are not going anywhere for a rental. So I think Cardinals fans could be content in that. Frank, I was going to ask you this. Game one of the doubleheader against the Braves was actually encouraging. We're going to keep the glass half full. Arnado and Goldschmidt both had home runs. Neither guy's really gotten a hot yet. Uh, maybe a little bit stretch here or there. None of them together. If they just perform average for them, which I would say is how they've been so far this year, Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt may be a little below average. Can this team win anything if those two guys in the middle aren't superstars? Uh, well, average for them – it's still really good, which would be, you know, 25 to 30 and 90 RBIs and an 830 OPS. I, I think if they're both average for them, that's, that's good. I mean, if they're average for an average player, there's no chance. I mean, they both have to be good. They both have to be good. I'm thinking we're going to see a, an Arenado hot streak here, hopefully soon. And hopefully some more power from Goldschmidt because they're definitely lacking that in free hole right now. Let's move on. We'll talk some Olympics. Uh, this is the week we've been waiting for, Olympic gymnastics trials in St. Louis this weekend. There's a bit of buzz in the air. Uh, Frank, you've been covering it. Just how big of a deal is this weekend shaking up, shaping up to be here in St. Louis? Well, first of all, with Simone Biles, you know, the best in the world. It's like, you know, having Gretzky or Pele come to your town, so you should buy a ticket. But then there's all these other stories. I mean, that Jordan Childs, who's one of the favorites, I mean, she left her home state of Washington to go train with Simone Biles, I believe, in Spring, Texas. And she also had the benefit of what happened last year. Because, you know, when the Olympics were postponed, you got to remember, she had that wrist surgery, I think it was in 2019, and she may not have been able to make it. But now she's 100% healthy, and she is likely going to be one of the four. So there's a lot of great, great storylines like Jordan Childs out there. And you've been diving into the trials here, producing our special that's going to air on Friday night at 9 o'clock on 5 on your side. What's something that's really stuck out to you as you learn uh, more about gymnastics and wade deeper into the gymnastics world? Uh, well, I think what's fascinating is that we have a couple of, uh, you know, and maybe they're not right there yet, but they, uh, they're certainly going to contend for spots this year uh, and may, may have more of a uh, – uh, more of a, a shot in four years, but there are two right up the road in, uh, at the Gage uh, workout facility in Overland Park, Kansas. Um, Kayla Eaker and uh, Leanne Wong. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think that they are, 
certainly two uh, to keep your eye out on. Um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, I think another story at the other end of the spectrum is Michaela Skinner, uh, who was an alternate in 2016 uh, and is attempting to make the team again this year. She's kind of a long shot, um, but, you know, newly married. And, you know, she had some great thoughts. Uh, we talked to her, uh, Frank, I don't know if you remember, we talked to her about a year ago. And she had some great thoughts about what playing for your country or competing for your country represents to her. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, she kind of makes you want to root for her a little bit. So, um, you know, a lot of interesting stories out there. And it's funny, you know, we're talking about the we're talking about the women's side. You know, the men are competing for, you know, for a team as well. Um, what's interesting is, uh, is our uh, expert commentator this weekend, uh, Shannon Welker, has talked about how uh, the U.S. team is so balanced and so strong that they could probably field two teams to compete in this year's uh, Olympics. And yet, um, you know, the men you don't really know that much about and, you know, lap, you know, lag way behind as far as the, uh, the women are, um, are doing. So a uh, lot of interesting storylines that, uh, that will go on this week. Yeah, like Leanne Wong from Kansas City, uh, she may not make the team, even though she was fifth, I believe, in nationals. So, and there's going to be some unbelievable gymnasts, gymnasts who aren't going to make the team. And I, I, it would be great to see the Kansas City kid make it here in St. Louis. It does seem like uh, every Olympics I watch, swimming and gymnastics, they steal, they steal quite a bit of the show, um, especially gymnastics becomes a, a feature event. So it's really exciting to have that start here in our town because, you know, everybody's going to fall in love, especially with the women's team over in Tokyo. So uh, it'll be fun to get that started here. Andy, were you going to say something? Well, just NBC, uh, NBC knows how to market the Olympics. And you notice that the primetime event week one is usually the swimming. Week two is, you know, is the women's gymnastics. Uh, and they do that for a reason, because people watch, they get BAFO numbers. And, uh, you know, so... Why suspect anything different this time around? It'll be fun for sure. Let's talk about some other Olympic-related news real quick. We're going to have three St. Louis representatives on the basketball court in Tokyo. Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Nafisa Collier. Just a great showing for St. Louis basketball on the world stage. That men's team, well, the women's team going for seven in a row. But the men's team's going to be stacked this year, too. Frank, you're a big basketball junkie. Uh, how excited are you for Olympic basketball? Oh, <laughs> uh, very excited. And I've always thought that Nafisa Collier was the equivalent of Jason Tatum on the women's side in that she's taller. She was always taller than everybody, but her parents knew at a young age, hey, just because my daughter's the tallest, we're not going to stick her on the block and have her shoot two foot turnarounds. Just like with the Tatums, they made sure great ball skills and they're both so elegant. They're both you know, Nafis is actually, you know, a top five player in her league. Jason's probably a top 15 player. So that's awesome to see. And then you throw in Brad Beal. There's going to be a lot of great basketball to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure you guys can check me. Jojo White's the only St. Louis in the medal in, in basketball. Is that correct? Bill Bradley, I think. Oh, Bill Bradley. Yes, that's right. You were, you were, we were talking about that the other day. Crystal City's on. So we could have. I think there's a good chance we're going to have three more uh, St. Louis basketball gold medalists uh, here in the 
the next month or so. Let's move on. Last thing before we head to our spotlight interview for the week. Supreme Court dealt a blow to the NCAA backing payments for players. Just real quick, um, Andy, how big a deal is this? How quickly do you th- think we see things get done? Missouri's got a bill that's waiting to get signed right now. This seems like it could kick into gear pretty quickly. Uh, it could kick into pre- to gear pretty quickly. Um, you know, I don't want to put a timetable on it, but, uh, you know, I, I certainly think that, uh, that however long it takes, it'll be one, at least one day longer, uh, you know, than, uh, than the athletes themselves would, uh, you know, would want. They'd want it to start like now. Um, but, you know, that, it's a slippery slope that they're going to be going on. So, um, you know, it'll be, but it will be good to see that actually take place because they've been free labor for the NCAA juggernaut for a very, very long time. Frank, how do you think this could impact recruiting if, uh, if some states are ahead of others in rolling this out, if it's not a, a federal across the country, if uh, things are a little different in certain places, how do you think it could impact recruiting? Yeah, I think it, the rich will get richer because like in a place like Alabama, well, they'll have a bunch of Chevy dealers that want to, you know, make sure they get every five-star offensive lineman. You know, the more passionate, you know, football towns, their sponsors and their car dealers and their law firms, they'll get involved. I'm just worried about the mid-majors who may not have, you know, the great sponsors involved in trying to lure players there. Like Andy said, it's going to be a slippery slope. We'll see how it goes, but no turning back now. This is definitely the way the sport is going for sure. Our spotlight interview this week is St. Louis native and ESPN soccer analyst Taylor Twellman. He was a star in the MLS and is now the go-to man for everything soccer at ESPN. Twellman sat down with our Frank Cusimano to talk about the state of USA men's soccer, the prospects for some local products when it comes to the World Cup, and how big of a deal St. Louis City SD is going to be in our town. Bigger than the Cardinals? We'll see what Taylor thinks. Here's Taylor and Frank. We are joined by one of the greatest players in MLS history, Taylor Twelman. I remember it like it was yesterday. We do a story on you kicking field goals for the football team at St. Louis U High and then going to soccer practice. Do you think you could have make it, made it in the NFL as a kicker? Ah, <laughs> uh, Frank, uh, in my own mind, I feel like I was in the Hall of Fame as a kicker, Hall of Fame as a baseball player, golfer, and everything else. But uh, I have no idea, my man. No clue. After what you saw from the United States against Mexico, do you believe that they have a chance to make a run in the World Cup? They got to qualify first. Frank, I hate to say it, they got to qualify first. Uh, they struggled against Honduras. Yes, they got a result. Um, you know, is there a ton of hope there and promise? Absolutely, 100%. We've got more young players playing at the highest level than we've ever had in this country. Right now, promise and hope is at an all-time high from the men's side. Assess the World Cup chances of two St. Louis products. First, Josh Sargent. I think Josh Sargent will be a huge factor in World Cup qualifying. Absolutely, 100%. Will he be the starter? He's got to start scoring goals for the United States, and Greg Berhalter needs him to start scoring goals. But he's going to be a huge part of the United States men's national team over the next two cycles, to say the least. How about Tim Ream? That's an interesting one. You know, that, that's almost a yesterday man playing in today's game. Do I think he's on the rosters for World Cup qualifiers? I do because of what Berhalter wants in that position. But to ask me come November of 2022, I'm not so sure. 
Tell me why this MLS crowd is such a hip crowd. I think it's because it's inclusive, first off, uh, and it's young. Major League Soccer's in the top four sports sold here at ESPN because it's young, it's hip, it's diverse, it's inclusive, and it's the way the sport is growing. And for so long, Frank, you've been around. We've talked about soccer as being the sport of the future. When people say that now, I don't think they're doing their homework. They're not seeing that it's outrating baseball locally. They're not seeing that it's outrating hockey locally in a lot of these markets. And so soccer's here. It's just a different crowd. And I also think that's why it's going to work in St. Louis because St. Louis needs to evolve a little bit. Yeah, give me your take on that. Uh, in the spring of 2023, when the team comes, there's a lot going on. Cardinals will be in the middle of their season. The Blues could be in the postseason. Do you think it's a slam dunk success here? Absolutely. It's not. It's not actually. It's not even debatable. Uh, the reaction of what where you saw season ticket deposits is setting records in Major League Soccer in less than an hour. That tells you where it is, Frank. There's there's few, if any, cities in the United States of America where soccer's in the fabric of the city from 1930 on. It's literally going to transform the city of St. Louis, which has had its problems over the last 10 years. It needs to evolve. It needs to be more diverse. It needs to be more inclusive. It's got to join the 21st century here because Kansas City has already outdone what St. Louis has done. And Frank, as long as I've been alive, that's never been the case. St. Louis is behind the eight ball a little bit. They know that. And I think the Taylor family is using the vehicle of soccer, the stadium and the facilities and everything in and around that stadium to really grow the city of St. Louis. I know the DeWitts are very interested to see how it works because I think they know the younger Cardinal fan is going to want to go to a soccer game. It's only two hours. It's going to be a little bit different energy. The Cardinals are going to uh, listen. St. Louis is always going to be Cardinal baseball town. I'm not saying it's going to change, but it may actually, it may. And I'll be, and, I, and that's going to be a hot take for, for everyone to get after me on social media, but watch out because the younger fan, they don't want to sit through three hours of baseball anymore. And I don't care if it's at Bush stadium or not where, which is where I was grown up. Uh, I don't see it, Frank. I think this thing's going to th throw a huge wrinkle into the St. Louis sports landscape. Sum up your life in soccer. It was my destiny. It was what I was supposed to do. I probably had a bigger love for baseball. Uh, I know I had a bigger love for golf. And yet I was destined to do what I did. I was destined to play and try to make it at the highest level. I was destined to get a concussion and have my career end at a very young age. And I was destined to use my platform to help educate others. And the only way I was going to do any of this or having this Zoom in conversation with you is by playing soccer. So I, I would sum it in one word. I would use the word destiny. That will do it for this week's episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Be sure to download and subscribe, as well as rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everyone.